Hey there, before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. I really believe that God wants to share this message with our church today. And it's a message that's simply this. Uh, Kuhau is a place where love dwells. And, and as I was like asking the Lord, what is it that you want to share with our church and what he wanted to remind me of is that this is a church where love dwells. But as I was thinking about that, I'm saying, Lord, I'm ready to preach the paint off the walls and ready to talk about how Kuhau is a place where love dwells and love is our logo. And I'm ready to, how many of you ready to receive everything that God has for them in the next year to come? Come on, we're concluding 2021, and we're going to jump into 2022. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to deal with the things that I dealt with last year in this new year. There's some things, there's some things that God wants for you in your new year. And, and, and that's what he kept telling me. He's like, he's like, Kuhau is a place where love dwells. But then he had to remind me that, that Kuhau is not a building. Which means... That if, if, if Kuhau is a place where love dwells, if Christ Uncensored is a place where love dwells, it means that he's not going to dwell in the four walls of a building. But the only way that love can truly dwell in a place is not in the service, but it's in the heart of its people. That if, if love is truly going to flow freely, if love is truly going to be a place where love if Kuhau is going to be a place where love actually dwells, it's not going to be, it's not going to dwell in an atmosphere. It's not going to dwell in four walls. It's not going to dwell in a building, but it's going to dwell in a people whose hearts have been surrendered to all that God has for them. And so when you walk out these four walls, love dwells wherever you live because love dwells in your heart. And so I said, Lord, how does love, how can love well freely how can love flow freely and again this is a very it feels like a personal message that God wants to speak to a congregation but I feel like God wants to speak personally to you it's almost like he wants to pull up a seat next to you and just have a conversation with you so this message I, I tell you right now it doesn't feel like the most amen message you know what I mean? Like, there's some messages. If I talk about prosperity right now, come on, we're going to have breakthrough next week. And, oh, man, look at you already clapping. You can't even resist the clap. You're like, what are my hands doing? I just can't stop. But this feels like a message that God just wanted to pull up a seat and just have a conversation with you. And this, this is the question he told me to ask. He says, hey, would you ask my people, would they let my love flow? Would, would you allow my love to flow? I'm not talking about your version of love. I'm not talking about, like, you know, the love that we see in the movies, the love that you hear in the songs. Come on, you know there's some breakup songs that you just want to feel like you've broken up just to feel what they feel. Like, I'm not talking about that t kind of love. I'm talking about this, like, this pure, unadulterated love. Would you allow that love to flow in your heart today? Like before we go into the new year, be before we step into the next place that God has for us, before we do all that, would you allow my love to flow? And as I'm ready to preach on love, 
this is what the Lord brought me to. He brought me to a passage in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. And I want you to catch this as I read this to you. I want you to catch the implications that are found in this verse. Watch this. Love prospers. It flourishes when a fault is forgiven. <sighs> I feel the Spirit of God on me right now. That love, love prospers, love flows freely. Love dwells in a place where faults, that word fault in the original language is a word offense or transgression. Do you know what the word transgression means in the Hebrew? It literally means a sin, a personal sin that was committed against you. So I'm reading this and I'm saying, Lord, you mean to tell me that love is trying to flow freely, but the only thing that's stopping my, your love to flow freely is the unforgiveness that I possess in my heart. That love flourishes, that love grows strong, that love prospers when? When a fault, when a sin that was committed against you has been forgiven. And sometimes we are wondering, like, God, why is it that I can't experience love in its totality? Why does it feel like I've kind of hit a lid on love? It's like people talk about love, and I really don't resonate with it because, unfortunately, I feel like the version of, I have, the, the version of love that I have doesn't coincide with what they're talking about. I want to submit to you, could it be that the reason that your love may not be growing and flourishing it's because you, we are constantly robbing the oxygen of our love, which is called forgiveness. See, the oxygen to love is forgiveness. That's why when people get together, I love when people get together and they're like, Pastor Ro, I found the one. Oh my God, she's it. She's, I'm telling you, I feel the love right here. And I'm like, how good are you at forgiving? Because love will not prosper in a place where offense has found its territory. It just won't grow. It'll be there, but it just won't prosper. It will never be nourished. It would never grow in a place where offense has held you captive. And the Holy Spirit loves you so much, church. The Holy Spirit loves you so much that he doesn't want you to go into this new year, this 2022 carrying the baggage and the pain of yesterday, that he's not going to allow your pain to deter you from your purpose, that he's not going to allow your past to deter you from everything that God has for you. But what he wants to remind you of today, that if you're ever going to experience the totality of love, you have to unclog that burden of unforgiveness in your heart. Because he wants love to flow. He wants love to prosper. And I'll tell you right now, if you... If you don't put unforgiveness to death, it'll never let you live. Love prospers where transgression is forgiven, which is to say, according to the wisdom of, uh, of the writer of Proverbs, that love cannot succeed, it cannot grow strong until we walk in forgiveness. And when you allow unforgiveness to hijack your emotional realm, it will suffocate every bit of love you have left. It won't grow. Love cannot grow. It cannot prosper in a heart where unforgiveness has found its residence. It cannot grow in a relationship 
where unforgiveness has found its residence. Love cannot prosper in a home where, where the atmosphere is full of offense. But the good news is, is that when we begin to release what's been freely given to us, when we begin to release and let love flow, let me tell you, it begins to grow. It begins to prosper. I don't know about you, but I want my love to get stronger. I want my love to have some abs. Come on, somebody. I want my love to have some biceps. I want my love to prosper, and I want my love to grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Father, speak to your your children today, Lord God, whom you love so dearly. I pray, Lord God, that we may be able to receive this message more than just information that's being shared from a pulpit, but that we may receive this message in the depths of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, come on, give God a shout of praise in this room. Um, how many ha handy men do we got in, in, the, in the room? The devil is a liar. Man, I am not a handyman. I know, I know even though I was the one, the I was the architect of, 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 um, of, of, what do you call that? The fire, the fireplace. I don't even know what to call it. That's how you know I'm lying. Come on. Come on. I was here trying to front. Like, I'm like, let me show you. I was the architect. Barely could say architect. Um, but I'm not a handyman. I'll give you three reasons. Number one, um, the reason that I am not one is because it's not my spiritual gift. And, and I don't want to be against God's will. Come on, somebody. I just don't want, I'm just not trying to walk there. It's just not for me. Number two, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. I keep my promises. And every time I say I'm going to fix something, I make it worse. Come on. And I don't want to be breaking my promises. And number three, it's because I just genuinely believe that the other people that are more qualified than I to do that work. Amen. And all the non-handy men say, amen, praise the name of the living God. Um, but I say that because I had to hire a plumber, or, or I should say I, should, I had to bring a plumber to my house. And the reason that I had to bring a plumber to my house was because my sink was, was backing up. And there was this like black-like substance. It was like a black, greasy icky, smelly-like substance, and it kept surfacing. It kept backing up into my sink. It would fill my sink up, and anything that was in the sink was getting damaged. It was getting uh, kind of contaminated in some way. It was this black, icky, jelly, weird substance. And I was just like, man, we got to get a plumber. The plumber came in, and I just want to share this experience. The plumber came in, and when he comes in, he, he has this tool and it's called a drain snake. I think that that's what it's called, okay? It's called a drain snake. And what he, what he did is that he ran it down the drain, and he, he, he even bypassed some areas, and he went through a, uh, a pipe. And, and what he realized was that he had to go about 25 feet deep. Like, there are, some, there are some snakes that are about maybe 3 feet deep or 6 feet deep or 10 feet deep. But when he pulled it, that sucker out, he said, man, this thing had to go to about 20 feet deep. And I found that interesting because, you see, for a long time, I was dealing with the sewage that was surfacing and backing up in my sink. And we were dealing with that for about a few weeks. So what we would do is that we managed the mess from the surface. I think you smell what I'm, where I'm going with this. But the sewage kept backing up and the sewage kept, kept getting into the sink. And so what we, what we did was we became good at cleaning that mess. 
But what we really had to do was bring in someone that was able to go much deeper in and unclog the thing that was backing up the sewage, but also stopping the flow of water to go through the system. Come on. I want to I say this to you. It's the same thing with love. That there's some of us that love wants to flow freely through your life. It really does. But unfortunately, there's some blockage that is stopping the love of God to flow in you, but also flow through you and out of you. And I believe that this message will serve us today in the same way, in the same exact way as that man serviced that, that sink. What did he do? He unclogged and then water was able to flow freely. My prayer today is that as you hear this message, that the Holy Spirit will begin to penetrate those deep areas in your life. And it may not be six feet deep. I'll say it this way. It may not be six years deep or seven years deep or 10 years deep. Some of us have some clogs that are about 10 years deep and 20 years deep. But no matter how deep it is, I really believe that this message is going to serve you as the very agent that is going to unclog that area in your life so that love can grow strong, so that love can flow deeply, and so that love can flow freely. If you want that in this place, give God a shout of praise in this room. It's so that love can dwell. The clog had to be removed so that love, so that water can flow freely. And that's what he wants for you. He wants to remove what's clogging up the arteries of your heart so that the grace he has given you can flow through you. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's some people here that the moment I speak about the limit of our love, we're like, yeah, I know. Like, I, I, in, deep inside, I want to be able to love freely, but I feel like there's still something that keeps holding me back. And what I'm saying to you is that I know that it's not easy, but I also know that everything that's worth having is oftentimes on the other side of what's difficult. And what is difficult doesn't mean that it's impossible. Yes, it may be difficult. Yes, it may be challenging. Yes, it might feel like you might need to be there for a while. But just because it's difficult, it doesn't mean it is impossible. And I put on Facebook the other day, I, I, I asked some people, because I think that people that are able to forgive, man, they really minister to my heart. When I hear the stories about how my my, uh, my wife was able to forgive when I hear about her story that she was able to look at the man that molested her and, and look at him in the eye and embrace him and hug him. Man, I say, man, that person was, had a clog in their heart. But guess what? Lisa chose that love is going to dwell in this place. And so... And so I, I, I looked it up, on, I, I wrote on Facebook, I, I said, um, hey, what, what is the most difficult thing you've ever had to forgive? What is the most difficult? And I was so encouraged to hear some of the stories. And there was, so, there was a variety of things that people would say, hey, this was the most difficult thing for me to forgive. But I want to share some of them with you because this is to show you that you are not alone. That when I hear these stories, I'm like, Lord, if you did it for them, you could do it for me. 
Lord, if you set them free, you can set me free. And I pray that your heart is in the same place today, that you might have felt like you couldn't, you can't, it'll never happen. But when you hear these stories, you'll be like, you know what? If you did it for her, Lord, you can do, for, do it for me. If they were able to forgive their molester, then I can forgive my molester. If they, if, if, if they were able to, to, to let go of that offense, then I can let go of that offense. That you can hear these stories and be like, you know what? My love can grow stronger today. And I want to give you the first one. Here it goes. He goes, what was the most difficult thing you forgave? The man who abused me as a child. It took well into my 20s to see him for what he was, broken. That was a deep wound, and God healed it. Come on, can we praise God for that? Like, like that deserves some, some adoration unto God, that God healed that wound, that she had a clog in her soul, but God had set her free when she released forgiveness. Come on, somebody. The second thing is, she said, my brother and sisters in the body of Christ and the men who killed my son. It's an everyday choice. I don't know about you, but this person chose that they weren't going to allow love to just be suffocated from their life. They chose to forgive so that love can grow stronger and love can flow freely in their life. Number three, the hardest thing for me to forgive was my mother. Does anybody resonate with that? Like, like the hardest thing for me to forgive was my mother. After all these years, I never really understood the damage she did to me. From mental abuse, telling me I wouldn't amount to anything, to physical abuse. But I masked it because, well... That was my mother. All I did was suppress it, and it never suppressed it, never dealing with it. At Matrix Retreat, come on, can we give God some praise for what God is doing at Matrix Retreat? It was fine. I was finally able to release that and completely forgive her. Come on, I think that God is in the business of setting people free, and the way He does that is through forgiveness. But I think most people live in this last person's comment. I want to forgive, but I don't know how to forgive. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it. Teach me. After 35 years, I'm still dealing with rejection and abandonment. I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of people, we resonate with this sentiment right here. Like, are you, have you been in that place where you're like, I know, I know I can't be carrying this. I know I can't be dealing with this. I know, I know, like, I'm, I, I, I want to forgive, but I can't. I, I want to let go, but I can't. It's been, it's been, for this person, 35 years, but how long has it been for you? Maybe you're at that place where, like, I want to forgive. It's been 10 years, but I'm still dealing with anger. It's been 17 years, and I still haven't been able to forgive the person that abused me as a child. It's been 35 years and I still can't forgive the, the first husband that I had and, and he left me stranded. He left me abandoned. He left me devalued. And I'm still struggling with this. You know, I think it's hopeful once you're dealing with it one year, two years, you're like, yeah, I know, but I'll, I'll let it go. Next thing you know, you're, you're 10 years in and you're like, I, I, I don't know how. I don't know how to forgive. And so that's what we really want to talk about today. Today I want to teach you how you can forgive. 
I want to teach you today how you're able to let go and allow the, Holy, allow the Holy Spirit to unclog those areas in your heart. And here's the first thing I need you to know. If love is going to dwell in the home of our hearts, here's the first thing I need you to know about forgiveness. Number one, we need to reconceptualize forgiveness. We need to reconceptualize forgiveness. And what do, what do you mean by that, Pastor Ro? What I mean by that is that a lot of people have a genuine misunderstanding of what true forgiveness is. That many of us have to think about forgiveness in a different way. That if we're ever going to let love flow, that we're, if we're ever going to allow God's love to dwell in us so that it can dwell in us but also through us, then we have to reconceptualize and get a proper understanding of what forgiveness is. There's a man in the Bible by the name Peter. And Peter's one of my favorite disciples because Peter is one of those guys that he asks the questions that everybody gets in trouble for. You know what I'm talking about? That's Peter. Like, he'll ask the questions. I'm like, I'm glad he asked it and he got in trouble for it. But I was thinking the same thing. You know what I'm saying? And Peter, he, he goes up to Jesus and he asks a question. I mean, Peter um, heard a message from Jesus talking about forgiveness. And there was a Q&A afterwards. And he's like, hey, let me ask you a question, Jesus. And I love it because, you know, he asks this weird question. He asks, hey, hey, how many times do I got to forgive Jesus? And I love that because he's the only one that's married. That was a good joke. I'm just saying that was an amazing joke. That was an amazing joke. I do my meditation on forgiveness every single morning, and only one person keeps coming up. Just like, Lord, I forgive Lisa. Because you know that that's what a good marriage is. A good marriage is, is a couple of two good forgivers. Yeah. Yeah, so Peter's like, how, how many times? Is that, how many times do I got to forgive, Jesus? Like, like I, I get what you're saying. Like, you're talking about all this forgiveness stuff, and it's, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, you got to forgive a whole. Is it amazing? Because forgiveness is, is, like, poetic until you have to do it. Like, you know, like, you want to get it like, like, a, like a poster on your wall, right? Forgive the way God has forgiven you. Until you got to forgive the way God has forgiven you. Right? And so Peter's like, how many times do I got to forgive Jesus? Like, huh? How many? Like, I know, okay, but this got to run out somehow. How many times do I got to forgive? And I love Peter's generous answer. He's like, seven times. Look how spiritual I am, seven times. Got to forgive seven times, Jesus? Give me the star. That, I would have been Peter. I would have been looking for the affirmation, all right? Words, words of affirmation right here, okay? Just, just touch me and tell me I look good. Come on, somebody. Not during quarantine, though. Matter of fact, my wife is here. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Keep your hands to yourself. That's how I do it, baby? Okay. So, it's like, how many times do I, how many, how many times do I got to forgive Jesus? And he's like, seven times, man. Seven times? Seventy times seven. Did you realize that Peter had his own concept of forgiveness? He came to Jesus with his preconceived notion of what forgiveness was. He already had a limitation to his forgiveness. And can I tell you that many of us can ask you a question? Do you have your own concept of forgiveness? Could it be that the reason that we cannot forgive freely 
and we cannot flow in forgiveness, it's because we already have our own concept of what forgiveness is. Like, you know what I'm talking about. Like, Peter, what does he say? He goes, 70. He goes, how many times do I got to forgive? Seven times. Like, I know Peter. Peter was the accountant. You know, he's the one that tracks record. Like, I, I'm, I'm like the baseball umpire. I forgive you. But that's strike one. You know what I mean? Like, are you like me? Like, like you live in that place? Like, this is the place that the Holy Spirit continues having to minister me? Because I'm like, like, all right, all right, I forgive you. But that's strike two. And you know what happens when you get strike three. Come on, somebody. You go on the deleting campaign, right? You delete them from your life. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, people find out you broke up. Not because you told them you broke up. Because they looked at your Instagram and didn't see her anymore. Come on, somebody. Like, I think she broke up with him. How you know? She's not in her Instagram anymore. Right? You delete them. Delete them from your pictures. Delete them from your Instagram. Except you don't realize that that's not true forgiveness. Because true forgiveness doesn't keep score. In fact, the thing about that is, is that it's destined to fail. Because if you're keeping count and you're, you're, you're using the strike ones and the strike twos, what you're, what you're really saying is that you're not even prepared for the next offense because you're still carrying the weight of the previous one. And that's where we live. We live in this place, Kuha, we live in this place where, like, like we're not able to even deal. By the time we, listen, by the time we get home from work, we are all offensed out. It's no wonder we go home and we have no tolerance for anything that is being said, understood, explained, because we're just dealing with offense and, and it strikes and it's counting. And you were never created for that. Well, how about this? How about the shoulder shrugger? Is this your concept of forgiveness? Is your concept of forgiveness the shoulder shrugger? You know the shoulder shrugger. Because the shoulder shrugger's message is this, I don't care. I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, have you ever been there where you know that you've been deeply hurt and wounded and your answer is just numbing the pain? I don't care. You know what, man? I don't care. I remember having this void of a father, and I remember hitting 18 years old. I remember on my 18th birthday. And I just remember thinking, if I didn't need him then, if, oh, I, I remember thinking, if I survived without him then, then I don't need him now. I don't care. And what you don't realize is that you were designed and created to care. Because care is hardwired in your heart. And every time you say, I don't care, you're just... You're just speaking a message to your heart that it was never designed to receive. And so you think that, well, I don't, I don't care. It is what it is. I mean, I'm just going to move on. And God is saying to you, that, that, that's not what true forgiveness is. We need to reconceptualize forgiveness. Or, or you might be the debt collector. You know the debt collector, the one that says, hey, you owe me? This is, this is so often in relationships. Like, hey, you did that to me, but you owe me. You can't say nothing to me. And what, you, you hold that over their head. And you're looking at your spouse, you're looking at your husband, you're looking at your wife, and what, they can't say a word to you. Why? Because they owe you. Now, now, you know what you did five years ago. 
Don't try, to, don't try to come with that game to me. You know what you did. You become a debt collector. Oh, you, oh, you did? <laughs> All right, I see you. Wait until I get even. And what happens is that you go down that road. Let me tell you, you're like a game of Angry Birds. You know Angry Birds? The pigs stole their stuff. So the Angry Birds, what they'll do, they will kill themselves just to hurt the pig. You know that that's what unforgiveness does in your life? It destroys you while you think you're hurting somebody else. God says you have to reconceptualize forgiveness. That's the first, first thing. If we're going to step into this new year of 2022, we have to reconceptualize forgiveness because this is a place where love dwells, but love will never dwell if we have the wrong concept of forgiveness. And so I want to tell you what forgiveness is not. Number one, I want you to write this down. This is what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. Yeah. See, some of us can't forgive because we think that it's minimizing the offense. It's saying, well, nothing really happened. It is what it is. You know, the, no, 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 that's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying it isn't a big deal. No, no, they hurt you. They cheated on you. They sexually abused you. They cursed at you when they shouldn't have. They, they did something they shouldn't have done or they didn't do something they should have done. It's not minimizing that. It's acknowledging that that, in fact, did happen. So I want you to know that forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. And forgiveness is not also forgetting what happened. It's not hitting the delete button. It's not acting like it never happened. It's not saying, no, that, you know, just, I, just, I just want to erase it. I don't even want to think about it. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is also not reconciliation. Oftentimes you're feeling guilty for the, forgiveness, the unforgiveness that you possess because you think you can't forgive because you think forgiveness includes reconciliation. But forgiveness can always lead to reconciliation, but it doesn't always mean reconciliation. And so you can forgive someone wholeheartedly and still establish healthy boundaries. Come on, somebody. Why? Because forgiveness you give freely, but trust is gradually earned. So forgiveness doesn't always include reconciliation. So this is what God wants for us this year. He wants us to allow love to flow freely. And I want to give you the, the secret weapon to forgiveness. This is the secret recipe. This is the secret ingredient. And, 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 and this is really the whole message. What I just shared was a portion of the message, but really what I'm about to get into is really just the whole message. This, if you don't leave with anything today, I want you to leave with this. That forgiveness, this might be a surprise, begins with Jesus. See, we hear that and we hear that all the time and sometimes it kind of falls by the wayside because it's like, yeah, okay, I, I, I figured that. I didn't come to church for you to tell me that forgiveness believe. No, no, I, I, need you to, I need you to understand this. That there is something powerful about remembering and rehearsing how much Jesus has forgiven you. Like, we might minimize that because here's what happens. What happens is that we maximize the offense and we minimize what God has done for us. 
And as long as you're living in a place where you're maximizing the offense and minimizing or losing sight of what God has done for you, you will always live in a place where love will not flow freely. But there's a powerful thing about what you remember. There's something powerful about what, like there's an old song that says, when I think about the Lord. Come on, somebody. Anybody know this song? I hope somebody knows this song because I'm going to be here by my darn self. Come on. When I think about the Lord. Come on, we're in a good church today. How he filled me with the Holy Ghost. To the uttermost. When I think about the Lord. How he picked me up and turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to When I think about the Lord. Why? Because it's by his stripes you are healed. Where do you find your healing? You don't find them in your offense. You find them in his stripes. And some of us are looking for our healing in their remorse. But you need to find your healing in his stripes. See, the Bible tells us that you're looking for healing in the wrong place. You're looking for healing in how sorry they are. You're looking to, for healing to see if they're remorseful for what they've done. You're looking for healing to see if they even acknowledge this. Some of us are dealing with unforgiveness, and, and the person that you are holding in your heart doesn't even know you're offended with them. You're just holding it in. And you're looking for healing, but you're looking for it in the wrong place. It's not found in their remorse. It's not found in their I'm sorry. It's found in his it is finished. So write this down. Number two, write this down. We have to realize how much we have been forgiven by God and receive it. And receive it completely. Why do we need to realize how much we have been forgiven by God and receive it completely? Because we will never be able to, we will never forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven us. See, I need, that's, that's the part of it that I need you to recapture. It's the understanding that we will never, we will never forgive anyone more than God has already forgiven us. That no one's offense towards us will ever supersede our offense towards God. And when we realize the enormity of God's love and forgiveness towards us, when that realization takes place and we fully accept it, Man, we are able to see love flow freely. I know I've, I've realized that so many of God's children are not walking in the freedom of forgiveness. Here's why. Not because they're just not good at forgiving. It's because they have not fully embraced God's forgiveness for them. Could it be that you're looking at, you're looking at the wrong place like, the answer to your forgiveness being released is not on this side. 
It's on this side. It's not on this side. It's on this side. See, it's not that you can't forgive. It's not because you can't forgive because you're not a good forgiver. It's that oftentimes we can't forgive because we're not good acceptors of God's forgiveness. We're not good receivers of God's forgiveness. It's like God is pouring out his forgiveness on us, and we have minimized God's forgiveness in our lives, and we have maximized the wounds and the offense of others. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell Peter. He's like, seven? Seventy times seven. He goes into a story, and he starts talking about a king who wanted to settle accounts. And he says, the king settled accounts, and one of his servants came to him, and he says, he says, please forgive my debt. Now, this man owed the king about a million dollars. What takes place? He's like, hey, if you can't pay this debt, then you're going to go to jail. Your wife is going to go to jail. Your children are going to go to jail just so that you can pay the debt. This man pleads. He says, please, I can't. I can't. Just give me more time. You know what the good king does? He doesn't give him more time. He completely cancels his debt. He doesn't say, all right, I'm going to give you another year, and then you can pay it up. No, he says, listen, I will take the onus and the responsibility of the debt that is owed. He goes, it is completely cleared. Now, the Bible continues to say that this man now walks out the courts of the king's palace. He walks out, and he sees one of his own servants or one of his own workers who owed him about $1,000. Now, how much did he owe the king? The equivalent to about a million dollars in our age. And this other servant owed him about $1,000 in our day and age. And the Bible says that he goes up to this man. He says, give me the money you owe me. And the man says, hey, I can't pay that back to you. He grabs him by the throat. He yokes him up. And he says, you better pay me or I'm going to throw you to jail. He says, I don't have the money. The Bible says that he sent the man to jail. Did you see what took place there? This man walked out of the palace losing sight of what just took place. I remember I was having a hard time forgiving some people that had hurt me in my heart. And I remember the Holy Spirit kind of like just so lovingly and tenderly whispered in my ear. He said, Ro, any area in your heart that unforgiveness resides has lost sight of my grace for you. That's what I want to submit to you today. Like in those areas of your heart where you know of forgiveness is taking place, could it be that we have just lost sight? We have made much of the offense and have lost sight of God's goodness. And that's what happened to this man. This servant says, he says, oh, I received, I received the grace, but he still acted like he needed to pay up. See, he was still acting like he needed to pay up when his debt had been cleared. And, and watch this. Not only was the debt cleared, but also the consequence of the debt was cleared. Did you catch that? What I mean is, is that if this man wouldn't have been able to pay that debt, his whole family would have been in jail. So not only is the enormity of God's forgiveness over you about what you couldn't pay, but also the blessings you couldn't pay for. Come on, somebody. It's not only what you owed. It's not only the sin. Sometimes we limit God to that portion. It's like, God, thank you that you've forgiven me for my sins. And if he only did that, that would have been good enough. But God is so gracious and abundant that he not only forgives you and he pays the price for your sin, he also pays the price for your blessing. Come on. This is why the prodigal son came home and he got a coat, he got a sandal, and he got a ring. Because God not only died for your sins, but he died for your blessings. Come on, somebody. 
And so when I think about the Lord and all that he's done, I think about, man, where would I be if you didn't forgive me? Man, my son wouldn't be serving. My daughter wouldn't be serving. I wouldn't be in the marriage that I have. I wouldn't be in the place that I I would have been somewhere broke, busted, and disgusted, somewhere in a hospital, somewhere torn up. But I am set free and I'm walking in victory. Why? Because he forgave me and he blessed me. And so I love it because it's not just for you, it's for your generation. We get so consumed that, what? look what they did to me. And you don't realize, listen to me, listen to me. When you keep remembering what they did, you will always transfer your pain. But when you remember what God has done, he will transform your pain. I need you to hear me clearly. Listen to me. When you remember and rehearse what they did to you over and over and over again, it is only a matter of time until you transfer your pain into someone else. But when you remember all that, the enormity of God's grace and the enormity that he died for you and the enormity of all the sins that have been forgiven and, and the enormity of all the promises that you have in Jesus Christ that are, a, are yes and amen. When you, when, you, when you remember that, there's something about remembering that. There's something about rehearsing that. There's something about repeating that that, that transforms the pain that resides in your heart. I don't know about you, but my kids are worth it. My generation is worth it. I remember when the Lord set me free, I said, this, this stops with me. I'm not going to let it travel to the next generation. And so we make much of generational, generational curses. But you know what they really are? They're not generational curses. There's not some zombie, uh, spooky guy kind of just, just trying to make all these things happen in your life. They're not generational curses. They're generational patterns. It's behavior that's perpetuated, uh, perpetually acted out and displayed before generation and generation and generation and generation. And so because your mama had it, your daddy had it, then you have it, and then now your children's have it, and this now becomes a family thing. Well, this is what the remedios is do. No, I want to walk in freedom. I, I, I want to I walk in freedom. I always tell my kids right before they, like before they go to school, I say, hey, when you walk into school, make sure that you look for that one person that feels like they are unloved, and you make their day. I want our generation to change. And if love is ever going to dwell in this church, forgiveness has to flow. And you see, the thing is, is that if your relationship with God is still mixing, if you still think that you have to earn God's love, if you're still there, if you're still at that place, like, man, I, 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 I'm trying to please God and I'm trying to do good and I'm trying to make him see me. If you're still at that place, guess what? It's going to show up in your relationships. And what happens is that you'll make people earn what you receive freely from God because you think you got to earn it from God. And so you only function in the way with other people. Imagine that, that you think God has given you something freely. You think you got to earn it. You think you got to please him. You think you got to do right by him so that he can smile at you, so he can pat you in the back. Yeah, that's going to show up in how you treat people. But when you make much of what God has done, when you remember all that God has done, when you remember everything that God has done for you, listen, you, 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 you can declare, listen, I know I can dwell in the hurt that was inflicted, but I can also remember that through his forgiveness, I am healed. I know that I can dwell in the, in the fact that I was abused as a child, but I can also remember that on the cross he made me his child. I know that I can dwell that I was cheated on and someone committed adultery on me, but I can also remember that because of him I become the lover of his soul. I gotta choose 
what to remember. When you remember what they've done, you will transfer your pain. But when you remember what God has done for you, he will transform your pain. The last thing I want to share with you is number three. If we're going to forgive, this is how. We have to reconceptualize forgiveness. And as the worship team comes up, we have to reconceptualize forgiveness. We have to think about forgiveness another way. It's not the way, like, I want you to think about it another way. Number two, we have to realize how much. Sometimes, sometimes I think that the perception is that the pastors have it all together. And the perception is like, like somehow we walk on golden streets. We're not in heaven yet. And sometimes it's like people think that the pastors don't have feelings. And so people think it's easy for us. Of course it was. It hurts. So what we're sharing with you, we have to live. And I have to do this because if not, I'll be in the same place of bondage. I often look at people, I'm like, yeah, if I do the same thing, if your children do the same thing you do, they're going to get the same results you, do, you had. So you have to change what you do. It's like, yeah, if, if I look to the offense for my healing and I look for them to be I'm sorry enough, I'm going to be in the same place of bitterness, resentment, and fear. But this is what I got to do. I got I to gotta realize. So every time I'm offended, every time someone hurts me, I can't look at them. I have to look to Jesus. so good. You're so good. You forgave me and what they did to me doesn't compare what I've done to you. You're so good. I saturate myself in the magnitude of God's love and forgiveness towards me. And here's where it is. When you do that, when you realize how much God has forgiven you already and you and you fully receive that not half step it not not like you know you know how we receive stuff all right fine you know especially you non-huggers it's like it's like what the heck i gotta teach some people how to hug You know, like, you know, like, like God is trying to just, an outpour of, your, of his love, and it's just like, okay, 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 that's enough, that's enough. I, I. You see, you see what happens? It's not like this. I'll take it. All your forgiveness, all your love, 
all your benevolence, all your goodness. God wants to outpour. He wants to pour all over you. But when you are able to get to that place where you completely embrace the love of God, that radical acceptance. You know what, you know what the continuous thing that was in that Facebook thread? The hardest thing I had to, to give was myself. tell you, man, it's hard to forgive other people when you yourself haven't forgiven yourself. It's the number one thing I kept seeing, forgive myself, forgive myself, forgive myself, forgive myself. Maybe you're at that place too, like forgive other people? I can't even forgive myself. Or maybe you're on the flip side, it's easier to forgive other people than forgive me because I did this to me. But here's where faith comes in. Here's where it comes. We have to release the forgiveness that has been freely given. We have to release it. Just have to release it. It's not mine in the first place. But I don't feel like it, Pastor Rowe. I don't feel it. I don't feel it in my heart. I don't, I don't think they deserve forgiveness. I get it. I understand. But this is why God doesn't call us to forgive by feelings. He calls us to forgive by faith. In another forgiveness sermon, one of the disciples look at Jesus. He preaches this epic message on forgiveness, and his disciples is like, you imagine that altar call. His, his disciples are like this. They're like, Lord, we can't do that. Forgive someone seven times... 77 times in one day or seven times in... I, you know what they said? They said, Lord, increase our faith. How many know? You know what's funny? That, that Jesus doesn't go, okay, boop, 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 boop. Faith is increased. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? He says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed. That's what he says to them. We're over here preaching, and we have faith like a mustard seed in Spanish. And we're dealing with bitterness in all our churches. That passage, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, he says, he says, you will look at that mulberry tree, and you will tell it to throw itself in the ocean, and it'll move. What did he just say? He says, no, it's not, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the, the quantity of faith that you have. It's not, you need, you don't need a faith increase. You need to change what your faith is connected to. Because if your faith is connected to you and what you've done and how much power you possess and how much offense you can tolerate, I can increase it all I want and it will do you of no service. But if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, but it's connected to me, you can release forgiveness unto others freely. So here it is. We have to release the forgiveness that has been freely given. And I want to read to you this last quote as we conclude. And I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet because we're going to pray in these moments. What did the king do? He gave freely. What did Jesus do? 
Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Not while we were repented. I love when people talk about repentance as a, like, oh, you got to repent of your sins. No, you don't realize that there's no power in repentance of your sins. What, what do you mean? The power is in God's goodness. Because there's 100 million religions teaching you how to repent for your sins. It's the kind of repentance that matters. It's the repentance that comes from the goodness of God. Romans chapter 2. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It is the goodness of God. So I need to deposit the goodness of God in you so that I can have the proper kind of repentance. Because my repentance is, you know my repentance. My repentance is like, I'll come here, boogers all out, and I'll go back to the same thing I was doing. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. There's no power in that. It's amazing. It's awesome. But the power is in his goodness. So here it is. Decide to forgive first. Our feelings will always follow along behind our decisions. So what am I telling you today, what I'm saying to you today, and for you that are tuning in online, here's what I'm telling you. Decide first, and you'll see that your feelings will follow. So maybe you're here in this place, like, I just don't feel it. Like, this is not about feelings. This is not about feelings. I have felt it to the gills and still walked out the same way. It's not about feelings. But, but when you make a decision in faith, because you know and you know, when you make that decision in faith, your feelings will follow. And sometimes we are stuck in the same place over and over because we're still tied to our feelings. But the Holy Spirit wants to remind somebody today that he will set you free, but make the decision in faith. And you'll see that the feelings will follow. You'll see that the feelings will follow. So I want to pray this prayer. If what I shared with you today, again, I don't want to go into 2022. I really believe, I genuinely believe that God is unclogging right now our hearts. He's unclogging. Whew. He doesn't want you to still deal with the backup stuff. I know how to, I've become an expert at dealing with the mess. I've become a doctor at dealing with the mess, a professional at dealing with the sewage on the surface. But God wants to go deep with you that's you, I just want you to pray. If this is you, if this is what God is doing in your heart today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Say this prayer. Can we put that a little bit louder? We're not going to jump right into forgiveness just yet. We're going to declare this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. There it is. We're going to say it again. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Let his, let his forgiveness set in. One more time. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. 
Repeat with me. Say, I fully receive your forgiveness. Again, I fully receive your forgiveness. He's touching your heart right now. He's touching your heart. Don't fight it. This is where the breakthrough happens. If you would be so bold right now and you're ready to take the step of faith, Listen, right now, this moment is so personal that if you need to go to the side by yourself somewhere, go by, by your side somewhere. Because we're going to declare forgiveness over the person that hurt us and wounded us. So if you need to find a little corner space, if you want to come to the front, you're more than welcome. There's more than enough room here. But if you're going to make this declaration of faith, I want you to say this with me. Say, God, I declare by faith that I forgive you can say that person's name right there. Right there. It doesn't have to be loud, loud, just enough for you to hear it. But I want you to say it out your mouth. It doesn't have to be loud at all, but I need you to release that from your mouth. Say, God, I declare by faith that I forgive can say their name right there and now I want you to say for you can say for what it's between you and the Lord this is where God wants to do it she cut up I'm gonna ask our prayer counselors to come up Stay right there. Stay right there where you are. But I'm just going to ask only the prayer counselors. Because I, I want to pray for some people today. I want to lay hands on some people today. The healing is taking place. The unclogging is taking place. His love is going to dwell. His love is going to dwell. It's going to flow freely. Say, Lord, heal me of every wound that has tied itself to my personality. Come on again. Lord, heal me of every wound that has tied itself to my personality. And bring me back to the real me that you created. There's some wounds that have tied itself to our personalities. And today we are being healed from that in the name of Jesus. Now this last part, I want you to declare boldly in faith like you have the victory already. Not like you're a victim, but like now that you're a victor in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord Jesus, I declare that in you I am healed 
I am whole in Jesus' name. Come on one more time. Lord, I declare that in you I am healed. I am whole in Jesus' name. Can we give God a shout of praise in this room? Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.